Hey, Max, it's November. Wow, it is November, isn't it? It is. It's cold. That happened quickly. I don't mind it at all. I like it. That's great for you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might even be my favorite month. Ooh, there's my squeaky chair. Yeah, it's your squeaky drum throne. Max is recording yeah. from the drum set. Why do you record podcast episodes while sitting at a drum set? Or do you well, just my... only sit at drum sets? And I, yeah, the drum set goes with me wherever I go, actually. It makes it really <laughs> difficult to get through doorways sometimes. You sleep um, at a drum set, too, huh? Yeah, pretty much. That's... No, just my recording setup is already here for, like, drum lessons and stuff, so... That makes some sort of sense. Yeah. I mean, cool. That way I don't have to, like, move microphones around and computers around and stuff, and... Yeah. And you get to sit at a drum set every time you record. Yeah, it is kind of a calming, like, thing, actually. Is it really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know about huh. you, but, like, I, as a musician and drummer specifically, it's, like, the drums are, like, my happy place, you know? Yeah. It's, like, I'm too, ultimately comfortable and stuff when I'm at the drums. And if I'm not at the drums, suddenly it takes a lot more effort to, like, talk and stuff. So, hmm. Fair enough. Well, I play the accordion. It requires lifting a 25-pound box and strapping it to your chest. It's not the most comfortable <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, but do you remember the earshot videos we had to record? Oh, yeah, that was way... way yeah, talking to a, a camera is supremely difficult for me. Yeah, fair enough. Um, anyway. So, we, yeah, enough talking about ourselves and drums and weird things. Accordions. But... <laughs> Our guest this month is Skylar Flo, a trumpet player who is from Linwood and Indeed. went to Mount well, Lake Terrace High Mount School. Terrace. Yeah, that's true. Linwood, Basically Mount Lake Terrace, the same area, but maybe I'll be in trouble for saying that. But um, yeah. Washington State geography wars aside, he plays yeah. the trumpet. <laughs> uh, studied in Austria and then Indiana, and then lives in New York City now. But yeah. he's got this new record out called Abstraction, and we are here to talk to him about it. I'm pretty excited. I gave it a listen, and I I kept listening to it in the car when I'm when I'm driving around. It's on my um, thumbs up list. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Well, yeah. let's talk to Skylar and learn more about it. Here we go. All right. Hey, Skylar, how's it going? Great. How about you guys? Going pretty, pretty good. great. Yeah. Awesome. So glad to have you here. Likewise. Yes, indeed. So, um, I have a bunch of questions for you today. Um, things we'd like to talk about in addition to your album, but, um, yeah, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, I was hoping to start off by just asking, uh, what made you spend some time in Austria in Graz? Yeah. Um, that was a, a really kind of happenstance thing, um, I guess the number one reason I went there was to study with Jim Rotundi, who's a um, mm -hmm. great jazz trumpet player. Um, who was, I was just checking out his records like for the first time, actually, like a few days ago. Yeah, and he's he's yeah got a handful of really great records. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, with great, he always has great bands. Um, but yeah, he was he was on the New York scene for a long time, and then he. He moved to Austria, or moved to Europe, I should say. He he kind of spends half his time in France, where his wife is from. His wife is from France, and, okay. Um, and then, but during the school year, he's he's out in Austria in Graz, teaching at the Jazz Institute there. So um, when I finished my undergrad at Central Washington University, I knew I wanted to study jazz, and so I was looking. My first, you know, thought was like, okay, I want to do my master's, but I want to study, I want to find a good teacher. And I had met Jim Rotundi because he is good friends with my former teacher, Jim Sisko. And cool. so they have this kind of connection. And of course you guys know Jim because he's yeah. been oh, yeah. living in Seattle for a long time. And so Jim Rotundi, you know, every couple of years or so comes over to Seattle to do some shows and in clinics and stuff like that. So I had met him over the years while I was studying with Jim in high school. And, and then it just kind of happened where he, it was like the, the winter, like it's like around February maybe of like my last year at central. And he just happened to like po make a post about how 
you know, he's looking for a grad student and, you know, someone from the States that'd be willing to come down to, you know, or, you know, come study abroad. And then so Jim Cisco immediately sent him my info and then mm. tagged me and this whole like <clears throat> Facebook thread kind of happened. And then it just kind of worked out. We just kind of went, Very cool. went with it. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, nice. Was it, uh, how was the adjustment moving to a different country? It was um, kind of crazy at first. Um, I was lucky that I actually knew someone from Seattle who had just moved over there, Taylor mm-hmm. Zinkafus, who you guys probably yeah. know. Mm, great singer. Um, who's a great yeah vocalist. And um, she had moved there because she met Dina DeRose, who also teaches there. Um, and so she had moved there, I think, the year before me. Just kind of happenstance. When she told me about it, that she was leaving to go there, I was like, oh, I think Jim Rotundi is teaches out there. And then sure enough, a year or two later, I was out there as well. Mm-hmm. And so Taylor was really, um, really kind and helped me a lot, showed me the ropes of uh, living in the city over there. And, um, and this is not a big city, is it? I, it's, I mean, it's not. It's like... Uh, I can't remember. It's like three hundred thousand people, something like that. Oh, okay, so it's not small either, I guess. But it's, yeah, it's um, it's a city who and it has a lot of like universities. Yeah. So it there's like a lot of college age people around from all over the world, really, because mm. there's um, a technical university and the University of Austria, which like I think Nikola Tesla studied at for way mm. back in the day. Um, and so there's just like a uh, like tens of thousands of college students kind of that make up the city. That's which awesome. Is cool. Um, yeah. It's actually one of the only places I have been to uh, in Europe. Oh, randomly. whoa. Graz? Graz, yeah. How, I, how did that come there? To, yeah. uh, I was playing music there, actually. Oh, do you um, remember what club? I think it was part of a jazz festival. But I don't know. I think it was like a, just a stage. Yeah, they have like, was it an outdoor one? Yeah, like an outdoor stage. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called, but I know what I can't either. I, all I really remember about that was uh, I tried to order a fish burger in a cafe, and in German, of course. And uh, the guy thought I was fluent when I literally only knew how to order a fish burger. <laughs> and so he starts like quickly talking to me about what's happening in the world cup. And I just have absolutely no idea what he was saying. Um, wow. So this was kind of nodded my head and then eventually just kind of walked away. <laughs> well, your, your German, uh, must diction must be much better than mine because whenever I try to practice my German, they would just immediately reply in English. <laughs> no matter how hard That's I tried, hilarious. even if I just had my one sentence, they just, you know, hey, the coffee machine is broken or whatever. And they just like, okay, here's what you got to do. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you speak much German before you headed out to Austria? No, I didn't know any. So, Oh my gosh. The When I finally kind of committed to going, it was um, kind of last minute and not last minute, but they start later. They start mm. in October, actually. Okay. So... Um, I didn't move over there till September. And so I didn't really figure out that I was, I, you know, I didn't get an apartment and everything and t- figured out until like midsummer. And then I was like, all right, I'm going. Mm-hmm. So I got to learn some German. And um, a good friend of mine, uh, the trombone player, Henry Sparks, who you guys might know. Oh, yeah. Um, he lives in Chicago now, but his mom uh, speaks German and lived in Germany for a few years and offered to teach me lessons. So awesome. I went over to her house and tried to shed luckily the school actually uh everyone speaks english all the lessons and stuff are in english so i see i didn't have to worry about like i mean like half the faculty is american anyway so it kind of makes sense um cool yeah for when i'm going out to bars or whatever definitely speak german how was so talking i'm very curious how was talking about music in german well, yeah, I, luckily I didn't have to learn too much of like technical talking in, about music in German. Mm. Um, Even because, at shows and sessions and stuff? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone speaks English. I think cool. over there they start learning, start taking English uh, in kindergarten. Gotcha. So 
by the Whoa. time they're in high school, they have, or, you know, done finished with high school, they have, you know, over 10 years of just kind of studying wow. that. And they, they offer, um, they actually, I have a few friends who, while they were studying over there and were native English speakers, mm-hmm. were hired to be native English teachers. So they're Whoa. really, they really, that's an in-demand kind of thing to be able to teach hmm. English as a second language as a native speaker. Yeah, I just asked because um, I was in France on vacation and got into my head that I wanted to hit up a session. And Mm. everybody was, of course, speaking French. And I was hoping that they would just call standards and recognize the names of the standards from the English (laughs) titles. But sometimes not. (laughs) But somebody called a blues and said, blues, sol mineur. And I was like, I don't know this blues. And they just started going, and only afterwards did I figure out that that meant G minor. It's like, oh, it's just a G minor blues because they use solfege mm. for all their keys. Right. I also crashed and burned really hard at that session, but that was unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe a little bit related to not knowing what the key before they started, but <laughs> oh, yeah, man. that that happened a few times um, just in my travels, like. It, they'll call a tune, but they've only really ever read the name of it, and they've never mm-hmm. heard someone speak it. So there's just sure. kind of like a, especially when it's like names of people. There are tunes that are named after people, like Beatrice or something sure. like that. Hmm. Like a non-native English speaker might not read Beatrice as Beatrice. You right. know what I mean? Um, so sometimes I was like, wait, what? What tune? What are you talking about? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> and then I could have, you know, the Sam Rivers one, and then you have to, oh, okay. I know it's <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So, question also. Uh, you were also at uh, Indiana University. Yes. Correct? Was yeah. that, how did that tie into your journey? That before uh, or after? Yeah. Or? I mean, do you want the long version or the short version? Uh, let's do like the short ish version. Okay. So, uh, due to a lot of interesting bureaucratic issues, in Austria with having uh, an American bachelor's degree that wasn't in jazz. It was, I actually um, was a classical major and Whoa. a music ed major at Central. Hmm. And so, which isn't a problem anywhere else in the world that I'm aware of to have a bachelor in music that isn't exactly jazz performance. But at this university, it is a problem. <clears throat> they <laughs> they course. really, they require that you have, that you, the only thing you can study for your master's is basically directly what you studied in your bachelor's. It's this really Whoa. weird thing. There's like not a lot of crossover, um, which I'd never heard of because, hmm. I mean, like I, I, I know a, a guy getting his master's in jazz at Juilliard right now who got a math degree. So... I mean, I just, I've never really heard of like mm-hmm. yeah. needing the exact that's, degree. To, that's bizarre. So, but I was already kind of accepted and I don't think that the jazz department really knew about these weird rules either. So then when I got there, the kind of the admins at the uni- overall university um, kind of had issue with me trying to get my master's degree oh, no. without a jazz hmm. bachelor's. And you found out so after you up, got there. Well, yeah, pretty much. Um, when when because then it was like, well, maybe we can transfer credits, blah blah blah. So then, but then I'm trying to transfer credits from this university in America and I have to get it translated into German through these official government agencies, and it was impossible. So uh, by the end of my first year at Graz, I realized, okay, um, I'm not going to get a degree out of whatever studying I'm doing here, but I'm learning a lot and it's mm. an amazing experience. I'm going to just stick it out for one more year and then, uh, you know, move on to my next thing. And then while I was doing that, Jim Rotundi actually suggested that before I moved to New York, because that, that was always my plan, get my master's, move to New York. He said, before you move to New York, you really should get like a real master's degree because there will be some doors that will remain closed unless you have that piece of paper, unfortunately, in the city, mm. uh, like teaching opportunities and stuff like that. And um, so I said, okay. And then after I finished Graz, um, 
looked at master's programs. And actually this long story is now turning longer because <laughs> I, for, I forgot to mention that my first year in Graz, I was in a combo that was sent to the States, actually funny enough, and sent to Indiana. There's the, oh, they, this, the, they kind of have this like sister school program where or relationships, not really a program, but one year Indiana will send a combo to Graz mm-hmm. to hang out for a week. And then the next year Graz will send a combo to it's Indiana. It's an exchange thing, yeah. Yeah, this little exchange thing. And um, so my first <clears throat> semester in Graz, they're like, congratulations, you're in the combo that gets to go to America. And I was like, it was kind of funny. It was like, all right, I guess I'm going right back, <laughs> you know. But it was an amazing trip. Um, we played at a... Um, a jazz festival in Chicago, and then we were in Indiana hanging out at IU and um, went to New York afterward. And I was with this, and I, I became kind of the tour guy because um, I was like naturally the American <laughs> in the combo, and it was most of the group's like first time being in the States, you know. Mm-hmm. So I ended up being like the person that it, it worked out great for the university, you know, because they didn't have to like send chaperones or anything and yeah. worry about like how to you know, maneuver through the States and not really. Very cool. But so then, yeah, when it came to um, actually getting my master's degree for real, Indiana was kind of first on my list because I had been in the school and um, they had just hired who would end up being my trumpet teacher, uh, John Raymond. And he's an amazing guy, great teacher, great player. And so it just kind of worked out that way. Very nice. Well, um, maybe we should talk about this record that you made a little yeah, bit. Let's do it. Yeah. So abstraction. Um, I love this record, first of all, although I'll Thank save you. more comments until after we check out a track or two. But uh, maybe we should listen to one and then kind of talk about it. Yeah, sure. We don't have a plan. Okay. So here's the first track we're going to listen to. Um, I guess is this opinionated is putting it lightly ah yeah Ah, okay okay. let's check it out
right. What a great tune. I really, really enjoyed the melody on this. Tell us about who's playing here. Uh, yeah, so um, the band is a group of some of my favorite musicians from the Indianapolis slash Chicago area. Um, mm. The alto player is Greg Ward, who um, is this great, one of the top call guys in Chicago, but he just started teaching at Indiana University. Um, and then on tenor is great Indianapolis native Sean M. Bowden. Mm-hmm. Um, the bass player is Nick Tucker on piano is the great Steve Ali and on drums is Chris Parker I know none of these people but they sound yeah. great me too yeah. so they are all I mean they are as far as the Indianapolis scene goes this, these are some of the the top guys um, Steve Ali has had uh, quite the career actually um He's he has his own trio. I think right now he's playing with Rufus Rufus Reed's trio. So I think he he has a he's been playing with Rufus Reed for a while. Hmm. Um, he has a couple albums of his own that um, Rich Perry is on. He plays with Rich Perry a bit. Yeah. Um, he used to teach in Cincinnati, I think, at the at that school of music there. But um, and did you get yeah. connected to all these people while you were at Indiana? university then yeah so as often as i could i i would take trips up to this is pre-covid days um i would take trips up to indianapolis and just try to sit in the sessions and listen to the local people and um immediately fell in love i was amazed and surprised at just how great and vast the music scene was at indianapolis uh mm. despite it being a relatively small city um I think they they have less than a million people in the city, and, mm-hmm. and um, the scene is so heavy, and the history of the scene is really heavy. I mean, there's like legends of the music that have come from there, like Freddie Hubbard and Wes Montgomery. I believe um, Brian Kirk, who was someone we interviewed before, uh, was either from or spent a lot of time in Indianapolis uh, with his well, when he was a kid with his dad. I think Jared Hall went to IU too, if I remember right. That's right, Jared. Oh yeah. Um, Um, yeah. There seems to be kind of just like a an area of the Midwest that people don't know about musically out here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're pretty far away, and and then just like Chicago and the whole Midwest is like this black hole of like knowledge about music for some reason. That's true. But if you're if you're from there, if you're from that area, you like. Those oh yeah, no, there know. are tons of they like know. really heavy cats yeah. out there, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was definitely a, a, a something that I really appreciated moving out there. It was just like, oh my gosh, there's all these musicians in this history of the music that I am getting like kind of firsthand knowledge of, or I'm like hanging yeah. out with these guys who are like they played with and they knew and they studied with like these legends from the area. And it was awesome. really cool. So. I have a question, actually, really quick. So mm-hmm. in the same way that like Seattle people don't really know musicians from the Midwest, do the Midwest musicians know any of the musicians out here? Um, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think every city with a with a music scene will have their local legends. And, and if you're from there, the, those local legends will always have a close place in your heart you know right um, for me it was always growing up listening to guys like jay thomas and tom morgan and 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 uh or sutton morgan thomas marriott sorry uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, i saw both of them last night actually it was for jay's oh, birthday nice. yeah oh that's right yeah um happy birthday jay uh yeah tom marriott and jay thomas and those guys like steve tressler you know all those guys are mm-hmm. like the seattle scene and I love them. I love their playing. I, and I loved growing up listening to them and, and studying yeah. with them. Well, so, so um, oh, go ahead. Yeah. You live in New York now, though. And yeah. these musicians that you have recorded with are not in New York. Did you record this no. in Indianapolis? Yeah. I recorded uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, Bloomington. actually. Okay. Um, 
there's this great studio called primary sounds. Um, and, uh, I recorded it last November. Yeah. So almost a year ago, actually. Um, and I was still living over there. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the project kind of, it was, uh, interesting because when we were kind of making the plans for it, uh, it was still kind of in the middle of the shutdown. Right. And we just kind of threw out this date of like, okay, let's, let's like compose these tunes and get this band together and we'll just shoot for late fall, early winter and hope the world opens up by then. And (laughs) (laughs) it didn't really open up, but it kind of did, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how it's been. I mean, so, but it, it worked out. We were able to kind of do it safely and, and, and nice. luckily there was a lot of isolation rooms. So like we, we didn't have, I was to going to ask actually, I really, really dug the studio sound, uh, the mixing and mastering on this record. Yes. Yeah, so um, um, I was going to ask if you kind of modeled that after any other records or, or what was your strategy for that? Um, well, the space we were lucky. So how we ended up recording it, and there's actually a video to this tune that's up on YouTube of us recording it in the studio. Um, but the horns were in one open room and then each rhythm section member was in their own isolation room, mm-hmm. which was great. And um, it's uh, the the guy who owns and runs his name is Jake Belzer. And he's actually, he's actually also a, like a audio engineer professor at IU. Hmm. Um, and so it was really great working with him and it's a really nice, comfy studio. Um, we recorded the whole thing in two days and it was really smooth. And, um, and then for mixing and mastering, I hired, uh, Dave Darlington who, uh, is in New York actually. Um, and he, I chose him because he's mixed and mastered a lot of some of my favorite recordings, including Ambrose Akamu series records. Okay. Um, and, uh, it was really great working with him. We were able to kind of meet over zoom and, um, I mean, he's just a master. If you ever want to like look him up on YouTube, he has these great like series, like pro tools lesson series where he pulls up like the albums he's working on. And it's like Jack Dijonette's new album and like Philip Dizek's album with strings. And he just pulls Mm -hmm. these, he pulls these like sessions, pro tools sessions of the, and mixes and talks about everything he's done on the records. And it's like, that's really cool. Mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, specifically as a drummer, I really like how present the drums are without getting in the way of anything else either. I feel like that's kind of a tricky thing to do, but I think they did a great job. Yeah. And, um, luckily the drummer, Chris Parker has also has a lot of, um, recording and sound engineering experience. So he's able to kind of better articulate what exactly kind of he wants and, Mm, um, and put it in technical terms. Uh, he helped me, with he sat in on the session on, on the mixing and mastering session with Dave and I, mm. and to kind of help like can what when I would convey sort of musical ideas and Dave's actually really good about this too. Um, I convey sort of the kind of musical things that I need, and they're able to kind of put it into technical terms to get <laughs> it's good what to have I wanted. People who can who can translate those things? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I I really don't have that much experience. I've messed with Pro Tools a little bit, but it's certainly not to the degree that would require mixing and mastering a full album like this. So Totally. Well, cool. So you brought up Ambrose Akinmusiri, and we got to bring this up because on Facebook, we've been asking our podcast listeners if there's any qu- questions that they have for our guests. And this one came up and you posted a little bit ago that you got to share the stage with them, right? Yeah. Um, it was kind of, I don't know, uh, luck. I don't, I don't know what it'd be. No, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't call it luck, but it was, it was just very fortunate and generous offer from Ambrose, um, and his band. He had 
I went to the last show of the last night of his week-long residency at the Vanguard. Wow. Um, you got to sit in at the Vanguard? Yeah. <laughs> oh, whoa. Yeah. It That's was, a big deal. It was crazy. Um, and it was... It started at like 10 o'clock or something on a Sunday. Um, and towards the end of the set, Ambrose just said, like, if you know this tune, well, he prefaced it by saying, this is going to sound like a joke, but if you know this tune, feel free to come up. And then he counted off cyclic episode, which I knew. And I just, had my Oof. horn underneath my chair and I just pulled out my horn and walked up on stage. It was, it was the weirdest experience because like, Whoa. you know, it's this packed house in the Vanguard. I don't know if you guys have ever been in the Vanguard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's like kind of like the sacred ground of, of jazz. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I, I'm already <laughs> shaking, right? I'm like shaking to put my horn together. Like I'm freaking out. I'm like, there's no way this is happening. There's no way. Um, and I'm already scared because Cyclic Episode isn't the easiest tune and they like to play it really fast. Like, I don't know if you've checked out uh, yeah, you, like you don't sit in in that situation unless you really know that song. Yeah, and I, yeah, and so um, exactly, and I felt confident, but I was nervous because one, I'm playing. I mean, it's Ambrose. Uh, who else was in the band? Um, Matt Brewer, Marcus Gilmore, Micah Thomas, and Walter Smith. Oh and, boy! And I was just freaking out, and so. <laughs> I just kind of walked on stage and he was like, all right. And he's, uh, piano took a solo, Ambrose took a solo. And then he just like, go. And I just walked on stage and. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just glad notes came out of my horn because I was just so nervous, shaking nervous. I couldn't believe it. I, yeah. And I thought that was fun though. Yeah. Um, that my, luckily my girlfriend was there and was able to get a recording audio recording of it. Um, that will not go out to anybody because <laughs> it was it was not good to say the least. But I'm just glad I did it. You know, um, like it really wasn't about like you know just like nailing it and having this amazing solo. I'm just glad that I got to like I had the guts to do it and not like totally embarrass myself. I don't think I totally embarrassed. I I, I survived. Awesome. I survived. <laughs> I'll say that at the very least. Man, that's so cool. Someday, yeah. someday, there's going to be a bootleg YouTube leak of that recording, right? Oh, man, I hope Ooh. not. I hope, <laughs> I hope not. That should, yeah. I mean, Ambrose's solo sounded killer, so. And I had to go after him, too. That's the thing, man. Like, <laughs> he, plays, he plays his solo on this, like, tune. It's probably his favorite standard, because I've heard him play that more than just about any other standard. And, uh... And then he just like hands it off to me and I go right after him. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I got to follow up Ambrose on cyclic episode at like way too fast. On the same (laughs) instrument. (laughs) On the same instrument. Yeah. But, you know, I did it. And afterward he came up to me and said, "Um, hey, man, like, how did he phrase it? He's like, man, you play with balls, man. Keep that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Good thinking first things to hear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I think I think those are his way of saying, man, like you survived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, why don't we take a listen to another track on this record? Cool. Let's listen to Abstraction. Dream and if 
All right. That's quite a song. And this, well, this is quite a record, but that's quite a song. Um, and there's a surprise uh, guest on this one as well. Uh, it looks like Samantha Louise. That's her name. Yeah. Samantha Capel. I'm sure you guys oh, know who is that. She's, she's come out to the Beaver Session. Yeah. I did not put that connection to, together in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Different um, last names or just a stage name or? Yeah, it's her middle name. You know, that's like oh, a, okay. that's her stage name, I guess, is a good way to put it. Yeah, oh, man. I do a... know someone on this record. <laughs> yeah, you know Samantha. <laughs> cool. I was going to say. Um, that's funny. I didn't realize I hadn't put that together. But uh, yeah, so uh, Samantha, she wrote the lyrics. I'll just call her Sam. It feels weird to call her Samantha. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, she wrote the lyrics to it too. She's a great lyricist. Um, I wrote that melody actually a long time ago. And um, I really wanted her to ha- be on this record and I didn't quite know how to do that. And then I kind of realized, man, that melody that I kind of wrote and really liked, but didn't know what to do with it that would be a great vocal melody. And so, um, yeah, I gave it to her. And So did you the, ask her to make actual lyrics or just to sing the melody? I asked her to write lyrics for it too. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, all I did was give her the name of the song and and the melody, and she had these great lyrics to me, you know, within a day or so. She's oh my like, gosh, really, that quick? That's crazy. Yeah, she's she's <laughs> great. All all you need to give her is a melody and a and a title of the of the song, and she just like writes them. She's just really heavy into lyrical writing. So that's she's awesome. still out in um, the Midwest. No, so uh, we live together here in New York. Oh, um, cool. Nice. And yeah. So, um, did you guys travel back to Seattle together when I? Saw you guys at the Beaver? Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. It's um, all coming together in my head. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've been dating for like three years now. More than three nice. years. Nice. Very cool. So uh, that's really you, awesome. I oh, yeah. really like the section at the end of the tune where I mean it's it's one thing for vocalists to uh have like really horn-like lines in the way they scat or sing or solo or or whatever Mm. but like there's a section where it's like she's singing uh wordless vocals together with the horn section and it's just it's a really cool blend i dig that yeah i really liked um we made a kind of last minute decision to record with flugel Mm. instead of trumpet on that Mm -hmm. track and it's the only track that has flugel on it i think um and it has worked out really nicely having like tenor vocal and flugel has that nice like warmth and balance. I think that. Yeah, it's a really nice blend. Yeah. So uh, Lydia Liebman did a little review of this record as well. Um, and I actually know her from way back when I was in Boston. Um, and she's awesome. And her review is awesome. Uh, and she mentioned something about the overall um kind of concept behind this this album but i thought i would ask you about it as well just so you could talk about it in your own words um so could you abstraction since this is the title track um mm-hmm. kind of is like an abstract right um yeah what's can, can you just talk about kind of what the whole overarching concept here is for this record a little bit yeah, so um, I for me, like when I'm writing tunes, sometimes I'll have the title like already decided in a way, mm-hmm. or maybe it's not a like a really defined title, but it'll it'll be like a certain sort of like experience or like emotion that I have really linked to a memory, and often. Um, certain kind of musical styles or musical expressions have this kind of like uh, link with memories. Like when I think about like this certain, like my sophomore year of high school, like usually the first thing that comes to me is like what I was listening to when I was a sophomore in high school and what were the Mm. albums I loved when I was a sophomore in high school or 
what were the albums I loved my first year in Graz? Like the, all these different albums that I was exposed to because I moved there and met all these different musicians. Um, and so I, a lot of my memories and, and of, of certain times and places I have linked with like certain albums and songs and, and styles. And um, so a lot of these compositions on the record are linked to certain memories like that. Um, opinionated is definitely one of those. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, uh, I was going to ask, but <laughs> yeah, so opinionated is kind of about myself and it was kind of a self-reflecting time, I think in Graz, because I was kind of, um, in a lot of ways alone, very alone for the first time, moving out there with really not knowing anybody and, being on the other side of the planet of all my friends and family. And, and, um, so there's that. And, and Terrace is actually the first track on the record is named after Matt, like Terrace, the, the town I grew up in, but also the, the high school I went to. And so that's an example of just like remembering sort of what those things that I loved and what, um, were, were some of the first records that I, jazz records that I really fell in love with hmm. trying to capture that feeling and, and spirit of it, but in my own way of, you know, tying it in with where I'm at now musically. Um, so yeah, it's kind of some of the abstraction can be taken in kind of two ways. Like it's an abstract of just kind of my musical journey, but also, um, in some ways kind of a, um, a distilled kind of musical flavor that I've kind of I've, flavors. Not, maybe aesthetic is the right word. Musical aesthetic that I have now um, kind of stripped cool. away, you know? Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Well, thank you for explaining that. Yeah. Your album art. That was something else I wanted to bring up really quick. Um, it looks I mean, don't take this the wrong way because I think it's really cool, but it looks very much in like the vein of of classic jazz record covers, kind of. Yeah, so too. yeah, um, it's cool in a good way. Yeah, by design, by design. Okay, yeah. So I was going to ask: A, was that on purpose? And then B, like, what was your kind of thought process behind that? Um. So, my thought process was. Um, I guess I, I was just, it took a while actually for me to figure, figure this out. I remember, um, when I was first, um, in contact with the guy who did the cover, his name is Jamie at B side graphics is his company. And, um, I was kind of, the first thing I did was kind of like Google image, like every jazz record I could think of and like every jazz artist and just look at the catalog of of these great jazz records. And one of the earlier drafts was actually one of those like classic monochrome record covers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, like an all red picture with just yeah. like black yeah. shading and black Like that Dexter or... Gordon blue note record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or like that Lee Morgan, um, is it cornbread? That's just like, a, just a bright red. Yeah. I, th I think I can picture that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in my head. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just love those styles. And to be honest, a lot of like the, like sort of like debut release albums and, or like albums of like younger jazz musicians, I really don't like them. <laughs> so, <laughs> like not to like bash, like all my homies, like I love their records, but, Oftentimes when I see the album cover, I'm just like, oh, I do not want that. I want like, there's, there's like this, I just love the like 60s, like blue note aesthetic for on, those, on those old album covers. I don't like the, um, like just a, like, I don't know, not to get into the details of, of my preferences, but one uh, might even say you're opinionated. Yeah. <laughs> I have, yeah, <laughs> to put it I have a lot of, I have a, I have a, a lot of opinions on this though. Um, <laughs> but basically I just wanted, I just, I sent 
I must have sent Jamie like I I sent him two folders, one of albums that I really love, album covers I really love, and then another folder of album covers I don't like. Ooh, and so that's I, a good idea. I I filled I idea. must have filled both with maybe a, I I try to refine it down to maybe like six records in each folder mm-hmm. of like what I really didn't like. Um, and can I, can I just ask like what one or yeah. two of those were, or is that not a good <laughs> you idea? No, I could, I could probably, I could probably find the old. E- I'm just kind of curious. Like, <laughs> yeah, I could probably find the old email, but um, <laughs> tell me later, but, tell me later. <laughs> uh, but like uh, an example, I won't give you, tell you the like specific <laughs> records, but it's like ones that have like way too many like graphics, like, Mm. Or like if it's um, like one that a style that really drives me nuts is when it looks like some like uh, emo garage band record. Like it's a it's like a self portrait, but then it's like overly photoshopped with all these weird like mm. digital graphics around like someone's self portrait. I always think that looks really weird and like kind of cheesy and weird. Like it's it. If I were to put on that record and like great jazz came out of it, I'd be like, "What?" I would. I was expecting like some screamo band or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But um, interesting. So well, there we go. There we go. <laughs> so sorry if anyone listening is about to release a record with <laughs> that. If I just described your album cover, I'm sure it's great. And I'm not saying mine, you know, is the, the standard or anything like that. Like. I'm happy. I'm happy how it turned out, but there's certainly been more amazing album covers, you know. Well, everybody has different tastes. That's true. They do. That's true. Uh, So you're out all the way in New York City now. um, And I'm kind of curious if you've got any uh, more music or performances or recordings coming out that Seattle listeners can check out. Is there anything out here? Um, not in the foreseeable future. In a in about a week, I'm going back to Indianapolis actually to do some shows. Nice. Um, for the album release with the with the everybody on the that's on the record, we're getting together, which will be great. Um, we're playing at the Jazz Kitchen on the 9th of November, and um, which is kind of like the the premier jazz venue in yeah. Indianapolis, I would say it's like the, uh, what would have been. Tula's, would have been Tula's, rest, Tula's, in yeah. peace, rest in peace or kind of a, in between Tula's and jazz alley. Cause they bring some bigger national names too. Um, are there live streams of any of these things? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but I will post if, okay. if I do find, if that I'm being streamed, I will post. <laughs> I suppose. Well, that's speaking of actually, posting, yeah. for whoever's listening, where can we, where can we find that? Sure, um, you can follow me on my Instagram at uh, Skyflow, flow with an E, F L O E. Yep, and uh, my Facebook. I, I I finally kind of got my music page up and running on my Facebook, which I've been delaying. Um, <clears throat> so you can follow that. I think it's just Skylar flow music, Facebook page. Um, cool. Follow me on TikTok If you want, um, I don't, <laughs> oh boy, I don't I post the first much TikTok on it. page that we've run into. Yeah. Yeah. I nobody think, else I think has ever mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been a, a kind of obsessed with the platform lately. Actually. I've, I've really fallen in love with it. Um, once you, just like any other social media platform, once you kind of, once the algorithm figures out what you like and don't like, it becomes pretty entertaining. Um, you just have to kind of get over the hump of like, why am I being sent like weird high schoolers dancing in the hallways? Like it's, that's not me. <laughs> it's not what I am interested in, but yeah, there's great music out there actually posted on TikTok. Um, hmm. Isn't it limited to like, 10 seconds of content or something no it's three minutes is the max oh okay well that's more than 30 seconds i guess that's good yeah uh yeah it used to be a minute they used to all be Mm. a minute long but now you can do three minutes 
Okay. Um, nice. Well, we're at about time. Thank you so much for joining us yeah. today. Yeah. Thank you, Skyler. Yeah, man. That was fun. Thanks yeah. for inviting me. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for making a record. <laughs> yeah, thanks for checking it out, man. Absolutely. All right. You've been listening to Jazz Talk Seattle, a monthly podcast hosted by Josh Howe and Max Holmberg, mixed by Ronan Delil.